Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Let's talk business with Ford Lease. Hassle-free vehicle leasing. Search Ford Lease to find out more. We all know that our health workers have been doing an extraordinary job throughout the pandemic and um, hard to know really how to thank them. But Fiona Meehan and her family in Newcastle West know the feeling more than most after their dad was in hospital for 21 weeks after getting the coronavirus. And they're now trying to raise funds for University Hospital Limerick and St Ita's Community Hospital in Newcastle West. And Fiona joins me on the line now to tell me a bit more. Hi Fiona, how are you? Good morning, Joe. How are you? Not too bad at all. 21 weeks. Wow. Yeah. So tell yeah, us the story time. then of uh, your dad and what went on. Okay. So uh, it all was around this time last year, but I suppose just to go back a few weeks, um, mum and dad have an apartment in Spain and they holiday there in off lot of the winter times just to get over the bad weather here in Ireland and get over some of the winter weeks. And the time they left in February of last year, there was no real talk of COVID as such. In Ireland, it was mainly in Japan and those areas that we were hearing about it. So mum and dad went away for their few weeks and as the time then, as time was going on, the COVID started coming to Spain and it started coming here in Ireland. So uh, we contacted them and asked them to come home. So they came home around mid-March and they were self-isolating at home like they were told to. And during that time that they were self-isolating, Dad became unwell with uh, cold-like symptoms initially. And then it kind of developed more into flu-like symptoms, as we thought, with high temperatures and stuff like that. But I suppose, again, we were very aware of it in COVID, that it could be COVID times. So between... And, and can I just ask, I mean, does your dad, Mike, think he picked it up in Spain? We don't know. We don't know. We okay. do, you know, and we don't know. Um, you you might think that he could, but you know, we he could have picked it up anywhere. We yeah. we, we genuinely don't know. Um, so yeah, he came home, and my own mum is a nurse, and between mum and the good care of our GP, they tried to manage him at home as much as they possibly could with antibiotics and steroids and all other types of medication. But unfortunately, they became progressively unwell. And on Sunday, the 6th of April, his breathing became more laboured. Now, uh, we all live in close proximity to one another uh, as a family. And my mom asked me just would we call over just to check in. We were looking at poor dad and mom in through the window because, again, they had to self-isolate and we had to stay away from them. So uh, I myself wasn't that happy with his breathing. So we just rang the hospital, University Hospital Limerick, asked them what their policy was and could we bring dad in that we thought he may be showing COVID symptoms. So mom drove him in in uh, their own car and my sister and myself travelled on behind them in our own car just to make sure that they got in okay. And poor dad had to walk in the gates of, or the door, I should say, sorry, of A&E um, on his own. So when that was about, I'd say, three o'clock that Sunday, half past three, and we came home. And about five o'clock that evening, mom rang me and she said, Fiona, the hospital after contacting me, your father's either going to a high dependency or to the intensive care unit, which absolutely nearly floored me because I genuinely thought that mine wasn't that bad, that he'd get maybe oxygen and some IV fluids for a couple of days and that he'd rally around and that he'd be okay. So as you said there in your introduction, Joe, that started Dad's journey of 21 weeks practically then being in hospital where he became extremely unwell with COVID, ended up being in from a high dependency to intensive care, having to go for surgery in the Beacon Hospital in Dublin, back down to intensive care in uh, Limerick Region. He went for surgery as well? Yeah. Yeah, so he suffered numerous complications, Joe, with the COVID. Um, First of all, he got pneumonia, then he got a clot in his lung, 
then he was in multi-organ failure, his liver, or not sorry, his liver, but his kidneys, his heart, and was all, and his lungs were obviously failing because of the COVID. Um, he got then this complication of his uh, the COVID, whereby there was a number of cysts developed in his lungs, especially in his right lung. Um, these cysts then burst. When the cysts then burst, um, they collapse his lung, and they give rise to this thing called a bronchopleural fistula to be very medical and technical about things where there was this abnormal passageway after forming in his lungs and there was this vicious circle thing created whereby the abnormal pathway, the fistula, kept the lung collapsed and the lung couldn't reinflate because of the fistula. So um, as a result then of, of all these complications, these wonderful staff in UHL had to liaise with various different hospitals in the country to see who would take on that case to try and help his lung. Um, because at this point we were told that he could be palliative if we didn't actually, you know, if we couldn't get treatment for him. So uh, he was then uh, liaised with uh, the, the team in UHL, liaised with a lady doctor by the name of Professor Eaton, who took on Dad's case and she accepted me into the Beacon Hospital in Dublin, where Dad had an endobronchial valve um, inserted into his right lung, which then helped to cut off that abnormal pathway that I spoke about and then reinflate the right lung again. Gee, but so, the poor man was to hell and back, wasn't he? Yeah, totally, totally, totally. And, and of course, it's also worth remembering, you know, and we've learned a lot about uh, COVID uh, over the last 12 months in Ireland, in Limerick and internationally as well. But at that point, even the doctors were still yeah, learning about it, right. weren't they? That's right, yeah. And, you know, they, like we, we can't praise them or speak highly enough of them, but, you know, they, they were admitting that themselves to, to us, you know, that this was an awful lot of unknown territory for them and that they didn't necessarily know what they were dealing with. Obviously, they were liaising with all these other experts around the world. But, you know, at the time, they had, I suppose, less knowledge than they do obviously have now in relation to the COVID. Right. We're chatting to Fiona Meehan about the extraordinary story her family went through, particularly her dad, uh, Mike. Uh, and what was communication like with him through all yeah. of this? So I suppose initially Joe Dad went in on the 6th of April and he spent 12 days in inside in the high dependency unit. So during that time, Dad was conscious, thankfully, and we were able to kind of, we'd say, send him text messages or we would try and do initial, like maybe one or two minute phone calls just to say, come on, keep going and, you know, you're doing great and, you know, see how he was. Unfortunately, then, however, he had to become um, ventilated. He just became too tired and his, his whole body was too tired. So on the 18th of April, he was ventilated. So during that time, obviously, Dad was unconscious and he was ventilated for four weeks and six days. And um, we obviously then couldn't talk to him at that time. But again, the wonderful staff in, in the regional really facilitated us to try and communicate with Dad in some way. So we used to have these things, as possibly everybody has seen now in these days with the documentaries that have been on television about the video calls. So um, the patient advocacy group there, the patient liaison service in the UHL, were facilitating um, video calls for us on a daily basis. So we would get a daily call at a, more or less a set time every day where we would just gather together as a family and then we would get to see that on the, the video call and talk to him. Now, he obviously wasn't talking back to us. He was on ventilation at the time. But, you know, you would just be hoping that he would hear a voice of ours or, you know, that something would, would resonate true with him, you know. Yeah. So, Fiona, I mean, clearly there were very dark times when you thought you might lose him. Yes, oh God, yes. And we were told that on numerous occasions, numerous occasions. And one particular day, 
we were told that, you know, they were basically throwing the kitchen sink at him from a medical aspect, you know, that they were giving him so much treatment and that the next 24 or 48 hours within that time was quite crucial. And if he didn't show some signs of fighting back, that, you know, it wouldn't, uh, it wasn't looking good. And then when the complication arose from the cyst in the lung and when they burst, again, we were told that he would possibly palliative and they were giving us little hope, if any, at the time. Right. And when did things start to finally brighten up? So I suppose, yeah, the, the turning point really of all of this was when uh, when the that valve was put in in his lung and he came back down again, you know, he and then I suppose that was maybe the, the, the carving point or the turning point for where things started to improve. Dad Dean still at the time had a tracheostomy tube, which is the tube in his throat to, you know, that was attached to the ventilator and also that he was trying to speak through and so once the valve was put in place and he was kept above in the beacon for about two and a half weeks, they then facilitated his transfer back down to the intensive care unit in uh, Limerick. And it was from there on, I suppose, that things started to improve. Dad was eventually able to come off the ventilator and that started the whole rehabilitation pro- programme, which again, we are so grateful to Dad for, for or to St. Isis for, sorry, for facilitating that for um, Dad. And what was Mike's general health like going into oh, this awful experience? My father, Joe, is 72 the 18th of June this year coming and like we never really, I suppose, there's three of us in family and we never really saw Dad as a father-like figure. Dad was nearly like a big brother to us. Um, he's um, an extremely fit man. He's a massive sportsman. He is, loves his limerick hurling and he's made for his game of golf and a very active man, always walking, always cycling and prior to all this. And um, he is a plasterer by trade, so he's well used to being out and working in all elements and all conditions. So, yeah, fitter men you couldn't get. So he didn't have any underlying health issues or underlying conditions. So, you know, we were never worried about it. My own mum, unfortunately, in 2019, had some had some, had suffered some health difficulties herself. So it was mum that we were nearly worried about more yeah. so than that with all this talk of COVID. And when you know? did you guys get to communicate with him again, you know, at what point was he able to come out of hospital and, and then were you able to yeah. meet him or how did that work? So he stayed in the hospital between UHL and the Beacon and back to UHL until the 2nd of July. Now, during that time, after him coming from the Beacon um, and for the few weeks that he was in UHL, we were able to facilitate some visits for maybe 10 or 15 minutes at a time. Then on the 2nd of July, he got transferred to um, St. Isis Rehabilitation Unit. And again, I suppose they were trying to protect their staff and to protect their patients, obviously. So there was a no visiting policy um, initially, but we were able to get in maybe once a week to see that. But then we used to go to the window to visit him as well in St. Isis and talk to him through the window. We'd ring him on the phone and we'd talk to him through that way. Right. So visits were facilitated in UHL and in in St. Isis, but it was just like for a week or for 10 minutes or 15 minutes at a time, you know. Yeah. And when did he manage to come out at home? He was home then on the 26th of August 2020. Right. And how is he now? Yeah, he's doing great. He's doing great. He's, he's a pure miracle, to be honest with you. He is. Uh, he, he had to have a total hip replacement done. So he had that done on the 4th of January in Barrington. So which Are you serious as well? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that we couldn't believe he'd be. He never wants to see a hospital again. Yeah, we actually genuinely thought that he'd never, that he wouldn't go ahead with it. But he was supposed to get it done prior to having COVID. So the pain of the hip was really coming against his overall rehabilitation. So mm. it was advocated that he do have it. So he did and he's doing great. He's walking right. out every day, which is hard for fundraiser as well. So yeah, and we'll talk about fundraising in one second. But I mean, what's his attitude? What's your attitude towards the vaccine? 
Oh God, most definitely. Yeah, he he couldn't wait to get his vaccine. Now he has had his first dose, and he's now waiting his second dose. But yeah, he couldn't wait to get the vaccine. And yeah, sure, our, he's, the vaccine to them is nearly like their golden ticket. You know, so yeah, we're we're delighted that he's got his vaccine. Both him and Mom have got it now, so we're delighted. Right, and you would encourage everyone oh, would yes, you, to get the vaccine. Most definitely. So tell us then about the fundraiser and you want to say thank you basically to all the amazing people who helped him. Yes, yes. So, you know, everybody has been so amazing, Joe. There's no point in saying otherwise. Um, to be very frank about it and they were been just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant people just um, the expertise and the kindness that they've shown to us as a family unit and to Dad himself has been amazing and we've been overwhelmed by it and really I suppose we were at this time last year we were given no hope for my father and thought that he would be palliative and that he wouldn't survive and now we have this man walking X amount of kilometres a day and well and happy and healthy and you know we are just so grateful so how do you go about thanking all those wonderful medical and nursing staff for what they've done for my our father? So this is how we're trying to um, give thanks and give give back to them. And um, this has been uh, the brainchild of my sister, Sinead. Um, she was very adamant once we got that home and got him better that we do something as a, a form of a fundraiser to give thanks to the healthcare workers. So what we've decided to do is do a fundraiser, but we're doing it very much with the staff in mind, the medical and the nursing staff, because as you know yourself now, Joe, they're in the third wave of this virus. Now I know we're things are looking better and they're improving but they've been 12 months plus dealing with all this now and we just really feel that they must be just so exhausted and so deserving and so needing of a break or something a treat for themselves so um, we're raising funds but we're using it for, for what we call R&R activities so like an afternoon tea around a golf um, you know a spa day that's Lovely. what we're trying to, to yeah. organise for them so are you so, running are you? yes so um, we, a few of us in the family like running and we've often done the great Limacron and things like that. So we are um, trying to run the distance of a marathon, which is 42.2k a week, every week for the 21 weeks that Dad was in hospital. So we started it on the 1st of February and we're continuing right up mm. until the week so, of the 21st of June. So kind of a relay, is it? No, everybody within the group, my, my sis, we've set up a WhatsApp group. And they would say dad's own brothers and sisters and nieces and nephews and neighbours and friends of neighbours and other people have joined the group. And there's no obligation on anybody but myself and my sister and my brother. We are running the 21 or the 42.2k a week every week. Each? Yes. Fair play to you. Jeebus, yeah. that's great. And is there a yeah. GoFundMe page? There is, yeah. So the GoFundMe page is 42.2k a week to treat our healthcare heroes. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, so what about Mike and golf? Oh, yeah. So he loves his game of golf. He's a member of Charleville uh, Golf golf Club over there and uh, he plays there quite regularly and he would uh, play a lot in Arda and other places. Anywhere he could get a chance, he uh, gets out to play a game. So we're hoping that you know, he's actually, I was talking to him last night, he's saying that he's hoping to maybe even go back this week and get a game in with one Brilliant. of his buddies if he can. All right, listen, fantastic. What a great story in the end, uh, despite all of the pain and suffering that uh, your poor dad, uh, Mike, went through. And well done to you and to the family as well. I think it's a great idea to fundraise, and especially in the way that uh, you're fundraising and the reason behind it and 
the sort of things that you want to um, treat uh, the healthcare workers to. So well done to you, Fiona Meehan, and to the family. And the best of luck to your dad, Mike, as well. Um, so that is for UHL and St. Ida's Community Hospital frontline staff. Call Limerick today now on 461995.